Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. To introduce today's text, I have a question for all of you. How many sins have you had forgiven? Well, I guess that depends on who's counting, right? It also brings to mind this question, then, well, who is even able to count another person's sins or even our own sins? Particularly when you grasp that, that sin is more than, than just the glaring violations of universally accepted standards of right and wrong, but according to Luther's Catechism, sin is any thought or feeling, word or act, contrary to God's holy law. And since thoughts and feelings are kind of abstract, it's about impossible for anyone to enumerate them. And so if we can't count our own sins, much less someone else's, <clears throat> then what is needed in order for any of us to ever have our sins dealt with and to be justified before God? Do we need to identify and repent of each individual sin? And if not, then what does repentance really look like? Who needs to repent? The title of my sermon today from Luke chapter 7 is, Who Needs Repentance? Those Who Realize Their Sin and Those Who Don't. Uh, an alternate title, a bit more colorful perhaps, I borrow from uh, Chuck Swindoll as he looked at this text. He said, the day a prostitute crashed the Pharisees' party. I'd like you to look with me at that passage in, in Luke chapter 7 today, and um, invite you to stand in reverence to God's word at this time as we read, beginning with verse 36. <clears throat> Luke 7 begins verse 36. Now, now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster of a vial of perfume. <clears throat> and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him, <clears throat> Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little 
loves little. And then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word to us. And, and Lord, uh, thank you for how you taught and stories and parables that help us to catch the importance of the message you have. Uh, we pray that you speak to each of our hearts today uh, from the example of this woman and, and what you taught that day. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Please be seated. At Simon's house that day was at least one person who clearly realized her own sinfulness. Did you notice that when Jesus was talking with Simon about this woman and, and referred to her many sins, she didn't deny Jesus' statement. She didn't say, well, what sins are you even talking about? I haven't really committed that many, have I? No, she knew. There were a lot of them. And her silence, as well as the, her acts of contrition, show the humility of one quite aware of her own sinfulness. She shed tears of sorrow over her sins. She had messed up her life. She had lived in sin and rebellion against God and his standards, and she knew it. There were other people there that day that also realized her sinfulness. And in verse 36 here, in our English translation, uh, Luke describes this woman in, in that, that showed up at Simon's house that day by saying a woman who was a sinner. And that seems really an understatement to us. After all, we are all sinners, right? But, but the word here actually indicates one who was an open sinner. She was a woman known by her sins. She, she might have been a prostitute, though it doesn't say that here, and we shouldn't confuse her with the account that uh, we have in John chapter 8 of the woman caught in adultery. Um, but not only did this woman enter Simon's house uninvited and unwelcome because of her past, but she did something that was really socially unacceptable. And she carried on for an uncomfortably long time. Verse 38 tells us, standing behind him at his feet, and I want to just explain, you know, when they were up at a table, it wouldn't be like we would have sitting at chairs, but, but it would be um, at floor level, really, and, and so... Um, people would recline on one elbow and their feet would be behind them there then. And she, oh, she was there, verse 38, standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, washing a, a guest's feet was generally a job reserved for the lowest of slaves at the house. And, and, and doing so then with her tears and, and wiping them with her hair was, was really quite undignified, to say the least. And, and then following that with anointing Jesus' feet with this costly perfume well, it was more than the host or some of the other guests could, could accept. Verse 39, the Pharisee Simon said to himself, if, if this, this woman was a prophet, he would know who or what sort of person this woman who is touching him is. She's an open sinner. Now maybe you know somebody today that has had some very obvious sins. Someone that's messed up their life royally and, and everybody knows about it. Uh, someone who feels so condemned by their own actions that in the past Maybe they wouldn't even dare show up at church. 
Or maybe you have some folks around you that know of your obvious sins, and you feel their condemnation. Well, that certainly was true for this woman, and yet she showed up there at Simon's house that day because she had heard that Jesus was going to be there. And I hope that those people around us who have lived openly sinful lives would dare show up here because they recognize Jesus is here and he loves sinners. At Simon's house that day, there were also some who either didn't realize or else downplayed their own sinfulness. And the other Gospels contain some similar accounts, and they mention things like a man named Simon the leper, and Mark 14 speaks of some guests that were indignantly remarking to one another. Matthew 26 mentions the disciples being present, and in John chapter 12, it mentions Judas's response of, of thinking costly, costly perfumes should have been sold so that he could pill for the money. And those all describe really a, a similar incident, but there are some noticeable differences as well, and so I think we need to consider them as separate situations from this one. But it does seem that in this situation here, according to verse 49, there were other guests who had a similar attitude toward this woman that Simon, the host, had. And he, in his thoughts that Jesus read, or, or what he muttered quietly, clearly put this woman in a different class than himself. So do we do that? Do we think to ourselves, you know, I am pretty good compared to, you fill in the blank on that. In Simon's mind, this woman clearly was a worse sinner than himself. And Jesus told him a parable about a moneylender and two debtors to show him his own debt, his own sinfulness, and his downplaying of it. And so the parable tells us of two debtors. One owed 50 denarii. That would be like 50 days' wages. Or you might say uh, um, one and a half months' worth of wages. A lot of money, uh, but not impossible to repay. The other one, however, owed 500 days wages, or you might say a year and a half's worth of wages. And I'm not talking of a debt where you, if you put it on a payment plan, you could have paid it in a year and a half. No, he would have had to give everything he earned for that year and a half in order to pay it back. They were both unable to, to repay, it tells us here. And so the moneylender then graciously forgave them both the complete debt. And then Jesus, after telling that story, said to Simon, so which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave him more. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And Jesus went on then to point out to Simon his, his, his social slights of him as a guest compared to this woman's kindness and affection of him. And, and he says, I entered your house and, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no greeting of a kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. You see, Simon and others measured their own level of righteousness by comparing with other sinners that they assumed were worse. And they overlooked then their own sins of omission and sins of the heart. They only counted the sins that were more obvious and were convinced that someone like this woman who had committed way more total sins than they had um, made them pretty good, really, in, in God's sight. 
But that's not really the way it works, is it? God still knows all of our sins, even the ones that no one else sees, and, and they do add up to quite a bit. Let's, let's just stop and try to calculate that for a minute here. And let's just say that you are a pretty good person today compared to those others around you that you know. And let's, let's say that that means that you only sin then three times a day. Only three times a day that you disobeyed your parents, or if you're a parent that you blew up at your kid, or, or, or that you gossiped about someone tearing down their reputation, or that you fought with your sibling, or, or cheated on something, or had a hateful or lustful thought, or, or took God's name in vain, or, or grumbled at something you thought you lacked. And I could go on with all kinds of lists here, but let's just say three sins a day. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? How many would that be in a week? 21 doesn't really sound too bad either, does it? But how about in a year? Now do the math in three times 365. Now we're looking at over a thousand sins in a year. And how old are you? Let's say you're a teenager, around 16. That means 16,000 sins have accumulated already. Some of you are, are over 70. 70,000 sins, and that's just counting your good days, right? It's added up, hasn't it? Jesus' point of the story he told to Simon was that thankfulness tends to be in proportion to the debt that you know that you've been forgiven. This woman knew she had been forgiven a lot and thus had to express that in thankfulness to the one who had forgiven her. Whereas this was not true of Simon and some of the guests. Not only did they not realize their own sins, they also did not recognize who this was right there in their midst that day. Simon perhaps had even invited Jesus to the dinner in order to try to discredit him. He, he certainly hadn't treated Jesus as anything special here. He, he was convinced that if Jesus was a prophet, he wouldn't let such a sinner even touch him. And Simon and his guests then were, were blind to the reality that, that Jesus was the Son of God, able to forgive their sins. Verse 49, those who reclined at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? Now you might say all of us can forgive sins in that we can forgive the sins of somebody who sinned against us, right? Um, but, but we can't forgive people's sins that sinned against somebody else or against God. Jesus claimed power to forgive anyone's sins, no matter how long the list of their sins was as well. And this woman understood that. The woman knew not only her own sins, but also her own Savior. Her actions that day reflect her personal heart response to Jesus as, as her personal Savior from sin. And, and Jesus told Simon in her hearing, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. And he said it to her as well, your sins have been forgiven. They've been dismissed. They're gone. Those reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And she went home. In peace, forgiven, freed from sin, free to live without shame. And you see, when we are forgiven of our sins, we have 
both an objective and a subjective peace. An objective peace because our sins have been declared as gone and things are right with God. But also a subjective peace, that, that feeling of peace, which may fluctuate with experience. At times, though, it may hit us in daily life. This peace that is unexplainable, that, that surpasses all comprehension, which only comes from Jesus. I love what Jesus said in John 14, 27, where he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And so then who has this forgiveness, this objective peace with God? The humble and repentant who have faith in Jesus have it. Chuck Swindoll said this, and I quote, On the one hand, pride holds us hostage to sin. Pride is in part a futile attempt to ignore our own sins by concentrating on the sins of another. Therefore, pride blinds the eyes of the soul so that we cannot see the gift of the grace the Lord longs to give us. And we remain bound by sin. On the other hand, humility sets us free. Humility accepts the truth of what we are, and that acceptance creates the opportunity to receive what we need. God's grace and forgiveness. And so what does repentance actually look like? It can't depend on being able to count the number of our actual sins, but rather it requires then really a consciousness of sinfulness. And yes, at times the Holy Spirit will bring to our minds specific sins, and when he does, we need to confess them to God and rest in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and live then in this daily repentance and faith. We never graduate in this earthly life from that need for repentance and forgiveness. I asked at the beginning, how many sins have you had forgiven? If you're trusting in Jesus as your savior, then the answer is all of them. However many that may be, every sin that you can count, every sin that anyone else has counted, every sin that God can count, he says, has been buried in the depth of the sea. We have the opportunity here as we end our service today to partake of communion, to come forward here and, and kneel at the altar together. And, and in a way you might say that is an admission together as we kneel next to somebody else that I am no better than the sinner kneeling next to me. I admit my sinful heart condition and I look to Jesus for my forgiveness. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for this way in which you taught Simon and, and those in his house that day and, and teach us. Lord, you know our tendency to uh, want to hide our own sin, downplay them, and, and look at others as somehow worse to build ourselves up. Uh, forgive us for that attitude. Help us that we would see uh, that, that sinful heart that we all have. And, and Lord, that... that uh, you would help us as we deal with individual sins in our lives, Lord, to not in pride ignore them, but to be willing to admit to you and to find the forgiveness that you promise for all who will humble their hearts. We thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for Jesus and for how there is forgiveness in him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.